mom, if you're about to listen to this, please don't. <laughs> and honestly, it has nothing to do with what my next guest has to say. It has everything to do with I, what I said in the heat of the moment of this conversation. I don't want you to hear it. Um, this episode was really cool. We talk about sex work um, and stripping. And um, my next guest, she is a stripper. She is a sex worker from London, England. And she's also the host of Stripper Stories podcast, which you can get everywhere you get podcasts uh, and follow them on Instagram at Stripper Stories Podcast. We get into a whole lot of things about sex work. And this is a subject I really wanted to cover for a long time because we just don't know much about it. And those who are not involved, you know, we just don't under. We don't understand it. So, um, you know, we talk about feminism and sex work. We talk about, you know, some outrageous stories that she has. We talk about how she fell into this industry and we talk about the podcast. Um, it was really exciting. I, I can't wait for you to listen to it. Please give it up for my guest, Chloe. <laughs> Take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, straight from the UK, Chloe. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ryan. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, this is a subject that I've I've wanted to learn so much about. We were just talking off mic about how it's it's a very taboo subject, mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I wanted to start off, you know, how did you get into this kind of line of work? Because I don't think it's, you know, when you're growing up, people <laughs> automatically want to, like, say that's what they want to do with your life. Did you right. fall into it? Is it something you, you really wanted to pursue at some point in your life? When I was a little baby, I always thought about swinging around a pole. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's definitely not one of those things you dream about. And um, it, it kind of just came, like, into my relationship with the first, like, serious guy I was with and he was a piano player in a bar I was working in the bar and I had loads of debt from uh, doing a master's degree so I was like how am I going to pay off all this money it's like 40,000 pounds I'm like it's a lot of money so he uh he used to see me getting this number like numbers across the bar um from all these guys and he was playing the piano and he made like a sly comment one day like oh well maybe you should be a stripper and then maybe you could pay all your money off for your degree <laughs> and uh and you know I just one day was you know like okay fuck you we had an argument me and this guy and I went down to London I auditioned the same night I worked the same night and I haven't really looked back since I paid off all my money for my degree and my master's within like six months of working so it, it it was like, yeah, it was something that was really positive for me back in the day, and I'm ten years still doing it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was it wasn't really my my choice, my thought process. Right. Um, so thank you, asshole, wherever you are, <laughs> you have made me me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I really I love that because there's definitely a stigma, and a, like a assumption when it comes to you know stripping, sex work, uh, whatever it is that. It's people who, you know, use the money for drugs or that they're, you know, they have, uh, you know, daddy issues or something. And I love <laughs> that you have a master's degree. You're su- obviously super intelligent then, like highly successful. And I'm just wondering, because this seems to be sort of a, a cycle, at least I see on the internet, where, you know, particularly young women are using this line of work to, to pay off student loans, to buy their first homes. Mm-hmm. And it, it really seems to be like a, a really viable option. 
Yeah, for real. I mean, when I first started back in the golden age of stripping, just like the golden age of porn, it has been and gone, unfortunately. I think especially with Corona, it mm. is, uh, it's kind of squashed a little bit. I'm not sure it'll come back, but there was women who were like 40 still doing it. And I'm 30 now. Um, and they bought like four houses by the time they were 40. That's mental. And they were all completely mortgage free, you know, so it can really have a positive effect. If like, you know, physical things that are what you want from life is definitely one of those things that you can like obtain from stripping. Right. Um, but I mean, I think it is a kind of bad, um, just a bad, overview and just like something that's not really real that you think that oh all these women are sold into slavery they don't want mm. to be there they're, they're, they're high on heroin and crack like obviously there's probably people out there that are not in the best frame of mind to dance or to work in the sex industry in general but for me it's only ever been a positive thing and the people around me as well i mean you know like anywhere like any job you're exposed to drugs you're exposed to negative like influences on you so it, it just is down to you whether you decide to choose that path I guess it's just like in anything so um but yeah for me it's been hugely positive mm. yeah I'm I'm curious about kind of like when you made this transition in your life was it hard to tell your friends your family I, I know you said it's a positive experience but was there you know did you have like anxiety about it was it was it tough to kind of tell the people in your life that you know, this is what you chose to do? Yeah. Like it still is hard for me. I mean, I only just told my mum and dad like three weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> I was, yeah, literally like I'm, I did it for 10 years and like because of the podcast and because of like the hype around that at the moment. Um, and my parents live in the South of France. So I don't get to see them very often and, and they're very conservative, very mm. Catholic. And so it took me a while to well, literally 10 years. It's like my coming out story, my stripper coming out story. It was and actually they were totally fine about it they were just like thank you for being honest um, and I was just like flabbergasted by their just chilled out you know demeanor about it but um I've had a lot of negative experiences telling friends especially women um which is strange like I mean I had lots of girlfriends at uni for instance I talk about having a degree and at uni we were sloshy sloshy getting drunk at uni all of us were together and I thought those friends were going to be friends for life and then I, I came out and I went and did my masters and told them I was going to dance to try and help you know supplement that income and uh and none of them none of them spoke to me again like 10 wow. girls yeah. So, I mean, I've had that negative experience. I mean, guys also just see you as a whole. <laughs> a lot of the time they're like, oh my God, I'm dating a stripper. Like, but then you'll have really great, cool people who will be like, what is it like? Or, you know, it makes you very sexually confident or makes mm. you very, you know. Um, so, so yeah, I have had negative experiences telling people. Um, and that's why, like I said to you, I'm, I'm anonymous on my podcast. I forgot about this. Oh, shit. We won't, we won't post any of that stuff. Don't worry. Oh, great. Perfect. Um, yeah, I just always forget. I'm like, because for me, it's actually fine. Um, yeah. It's just the people who I'm like friends with who are on the podcast, like I said. But yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Um, unfortunately, like we said, sex is not, and sex work is not a topic that people just want to talk about um, or, or that are comfortable talking about, which is really sad. Um, so, and even myself, you know, it's, it's not because I'm ashamed of what I do because I love what I do and the people that I've met, like including you, I would never have get, got to met mm -hmm. you, you know, I wouldn't have do the podcast, all these things. Um, so I'm not ashamed personally. It's just, you know, society's view on it. It's just, it kind of just stunts it really, you know? Mm -hmm. but yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am curious how you like why you wanted to start the podcast. There's there's a podcast I don't know if you've heard it. It's called Guys We Fucked, and um, it's it's hilarious. And it's I just, haven't actually seen it, that. It's two it's two comedians, Kareen Fisher and uh, Christina Hutchinson, and uh, it's just like a sexually liberating podcast where they like they'll have ex guys come on their podcast that they've had sex with, and they'll talk about the encounters and great. It, it, it's just it's it's hilarious. I love it. You know. So, like, what was the deal with you? Who wanted, like, why do you want to start a podcast? I was listening to a little bit of it, and it's it's fucking hilarious. Like, the stories that you guys were telling is just had me in stitches. I don't. I mean, for me, I mean, I come from like a, quite an artistic background. I, I was a, like an actor for a little bit, so you know, anything creative, first of all, for me is fascinating. Second of all, in lockdown, I was very bored. My job, obviously, is come grind to a halt right now. Um, I mean, I work on cam, but um, other than that, the the club scene is completely dead. So mm-hmm. normally when girls get a bit drunk or they've had a few tequilas, all they do is start talking about dick. And one of my friends is like, oh, you know, you talk about all your stripper stories. They're, they're like hilarious. Why don't you just start a podcast? I was like, nah, whatever. Like who would want to listen to it? But in the end, I thought, well, you know what? I'm in lockdown. There's not much to do. Why not? And actually it's been really well received. And it's kind of like gone from just talking about dicks and being in the strip club and anal. And, and then it kind of has moved on to this, you know, we have a doctor in every month talking about, you know, the history of BDSM and kink and hysteria, or we'll have, you know, my one of my gay friends coming out stories and mm. what it's like to be a, you know, a dating guy in the gay community and things like that, which I am fascinated about learning about. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I've done it and it's just come from lockdown really. So thank you, Corona, at least yeah. for that, you know, um, the job, the job front on the job front, you know, we're all a bit stuck. I'm not sure about you, but like, it's just a bit funky, mm-hmm. funky here in London right now. So it gives me a lot more time to be on the microphone. Yeah. Yeah. In Canada, I mean, we're actually just going into more restrictions as of today where I'm from. Really? Um, Thankfully, I've been able to keep my job. I work in the media business, but who knows how long that's going to kind of continue. Mm. Yeah. Um, You you brought up a funny point because I've always noticed that, especially um, like dating, like dating women, being a straight guy is Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a subject you don't really talk about, like, especially initially, um, with sex and past relationships and sexual encounters and what you like and what you don't like. This is a subject you don't talk about until you have sex for the first time. And then it's really awful. And then you're like, okay. And then you actually start talking about it and then it gets better. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, and then I always found that women are actually almost more sexual, at least in my experience than men. Once you unlock that gate, (laughs) do you have any, like, why do you think that is? Why is it such a, it's like a, completely locked door until eventually it opens and then it's just like kind of like a floodgate of all this great funny stuff yeah exactly we like me and my friend was saying this last week she's like single dating and she's like the sex is always awful the first time i'm like it is because how the hell are you supposed to know about each other's bodies they're so different aren't they you know like Mm -hmm. everybody's body's different everybody's kinks are different all of that good stuff but um i mean i did obviously when i was younger and i was dating i wouldn't talk about it but now if i'm single and i'm going on a date i'm like so anal how do we feel <laughs> or i'll be like okay so do we douche or do you like things in your asshole I mean, like genuinely i'll have a few drinks and i'll talk about it because obviously the first intimate moment's gonna be pretty shit anyway but i think opening that floodgate early on even before you have sex it does weed out the men from the boys for me, personally. I like talking about sex. I think it's the most important thing in 
our lives you know it, we come from it we are it's it is life you know and if you can't have good sex with a partner even if you're you know having sex with numerous partners not just one it, what's the point you know and if you can't express what you like and they can't express what they like it just becomes this just awful experience so um yeah i think i don't know why people don't want to talk about it i think that especially with women i found that we just expect men to know what turns us on or how we come like oh yeah but like he didn't go down on me for like you know the first 14 weeks it's like because a poor guy doesn't fucking know what to do or he doesn't know if you like it like at least give them some give people some encouragement as to what you like and what you don't like i think that would probably help out a lot um and confidence as well is just attractive anyway isn't it if you're shying away from something it's just no one really wants to push it Mm. Um, especially with anal. And like, I talk oh. about that a lot. I'm like, okay, <laughs> there is a lot of pressure points in there. And I actually learned this week that we have better orgasms from our assholes than from, from our vaginas or dicks. So if you can like penetrate your asshole, it's the best orgasm you'll ever experience in your life. But people don't, don't want to talk about it because it's your asshole, right? It's like overcoming these, I don't know, boundaries, I guess. Mm. It's just pushing that, pushing that button, you know? Um, got- yeah. I remember one Christmas, um, someone I know who, who's gay was, you know, they were a little tipsy when they were drunk. We're out, we're out, he's having a smoke and um, he's just like, you need to have a prostate orgasm. And I'm like, pardon me? He's like, no, seriously, it, it, was, it will change your life. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just even me, like coming from a small town, like, mm, like that's scary. Mm-hmm. Like, he, yeah, like, but he was so is- adamant. Yeah, it, but the thing is, it's, you can talk about it all you like until you experience it. Yeah. That is another thing in, entirely. Um, but yeah, he's absolutely right. Absolutely right. And like, I, you know, I think it depends with a woman as well. If you have anal and it's the first time, it's really, really freaking awful. And you have a really bad experience, mm. whether it's just the dick size or with a guy, if you've got like a girl going down on you and you feel uncomfortable, whatever. If it's a bad experience from the, from the get-go, you're not. It's you're less likely to try it again. So it's all about just overcoming that. I think um, a prostate orgasm for for dudes is just next level. Have you had hmm. one yet? Hmm. No, I haven't. Oh. I think trying to. I mean, even like trying to convince myself to get over it, but then to <laughs> try to ask a woman to. I don't know. Like that. That's a barrier for me. Well, I guess so. I mean, obviously not every woman's into the ass, right? Yeah. But you can do it on your own. That's like another mm. thing you can do. There's, there's toys out there that are really freaking great that work and you can experience it on your own without having to ask anybody's help. So that might be <laughs> <laughs> no, for uh, real though. Um, I, and it's funny, you know, when we're talking about these first experiences, I, I think especially I would go back to my early 20s and um, my first kind of like sexual experiences and it was very common for like, it was just like the woman just wanted to do kind of um, like doggy style. And she's like, isn't that what, like they would all kind of be like, isn't that what, you know, guys like, isn't that what guys want? And it it kind of occurred to me, I think men get a lot of their first sexual kind of fantasies and experiences from porn. Yes, you're right. Porn is like this uh, exaggerated form of sex. And then, but I think that becomes the expectation and then it like kind of ruins women because guys are just kind of jackhammering and jamming their fingers places. And yeah, <laughs> it would probably be very unpleasant. Yeah, you're right. I mean, porn has got some, like everything to do with, 
with how people perceive sex you know um i think it's people i'm not saying women or men or whoever is i guess like responsibility to if you do watch porn i don't know it's a ridiculous mum thing to say but do it responsibly like don't don't be just thinking that women actually moan like that and just come like this like or you know holes just open up like the fucking grand canyon things don't actually happen this way like it is it is acting at the end of the day it's just like going into a strip club and saying oh yeah that stripper's really into me you know she really fancies me i'm like no she's there for a job right okay and um and actually if the porn stars are doing their job well or the stripper is um you you're convinced of it right so i think it is it's just our responsibility to like you know be real about it and like read a bit and like understand that these women are are working and men are working um and and yeah and not to take sex as that's what it is real sex with a real person is just so much more fumbly than porn it's so less airbrushed and there's a lot less moaning and it's do you know what i mean it's just not realistic at all is it yeah um that's why amateur porn is pretty great to watch because like mm. it is you know what i mean like i love amateur porn you know, you learn some real things about it. You're like, oh, actually, that, that uh, you know, position does actually work like that. You know, it's right. not just, you know, made that way through a porn studio, you know? So, um, so yeah, I do agree with you. Porn is to be, you know, uh, enjoyed responsibly, I would hope. <laughs> Such a boring thing to say. Is there a p- particular things that you've learned about men with sex that maybe before you you know, you joined this profession and you started to get more experience and talking about it with other professionals. Like, did you learn something new about men that, you know, you maybe didn't know beforehand or had another preconceived notion about it? Are they like, you know, do they like anal play more than they want to like let on? Do they, you know, or do they cry more? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we're all whether you've got a dick or a vagina or a dick and a vagina we're all the same beast really i think we've all got feelings deep down i mean i think that there's obviously a stigma around what how a woman is made and how a man is made and what we need to do to be the man and the woman in the relationship but i think from what i've experienced especially i mean i've never been an escort for instance i've never Mm. accepted money for sex because i'm my brain doesn't work that way however i mean in the strip club, you see those guys who come in, balls, you know, blazing, like, lad women. And it's normally just a projection of like, it's, it's like if a guy gets a really swanky car and you're like, he's got a tiny penis. It's like, it's kind of like a similar thing. People do have feelings deep down and they normally, from what I've experienced, you don't see the best, their best selves in the strip club. That you just see them the most kind of, Larry, arseholeish self, you know, I think. So I haven't really seen the best sides of men, I wouldn't say. If I've learned anything, it's negative things. Mm. Um, and, and I think, but through the job, the people who I've dated, who I've told about what I do, um, it does weed out the men from the boys. And I've been pleasantly surprised by guys who are just like, yeah, it's a, it's a job. And they'll understand then why I'm so sexually open and they'll understand me a bit better then. Um, so I have been like kind of floored a little bit by how well it's been received when I'm dating someone. I mean, I've had really positive experiences dating guys, you know, it's never been an issue in my job. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
guys love anal guys love sex that's what i would you know and they're more open to like talking about it not when it comes to me because i'm pretty much a guy in that sense if that's what what you'd call it whatever but um but that's a generalist generalization i would say i I mean a lot of women do like talking about it i think it just takes a bit of coaxing out i think um but yeah that's what i would say especially with like the the male female dynamic um you know it's 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 very hard for me to bring up the conversation of sex because i don't want to come across as like being that guy like oh he's just right. sex right like yeah. if the woman brings it up first like we're we're total like then it's like okay like it's all game and we talk about it openly but for me to yeah. initiate that it's like you know cuz cuz also you know like men love sex but men are assholes a lot of them <laughs> Well, some of them are, some, some yeah. women are like, I've been yeah. an arsehole. Like I literally hold my hands up and I've been an arsehole. Like when I'm single, I'm just like, I, I'm almost at like a bit like a dude, but that, that is not a bit like a dude. I shouldn't say that because it's not like anything really. I'm just a bit more sex is sex. It doesn't have to be attached to an emotion. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't have to date you to want to fuck you. Like it really is just a, it's a carnal urge. Right. Um, and I think that's how men see sex a bit more than women. They can, they can decompartmentalize their brains slightly to see it as what it is, right? Whereas women have, they're much more, have a feminine emotion about it. And it has a dreamlike emotion slightly, some women. And that's, that's a stereotype mm-hmm. that I'm kind of outlining there. That's probably why you're finding it harder to talk to women about sex, because that's the stereotype, right? The men always talk about it. Mm-hmm. Not in my life. Like I'm the one that always wants sex more. I am the dude, right? And there are women out there like that. I'm sure mm-hmm. there are lots. Um, and even if they're not like it now, they probably could be with the right man. So I think it just takes, you know, uh, coaxing and like, you know, feeling comfortable with a partner to be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. I, I want to go back. So you mentioned that you, you do cam. And one of the things I've, I've found fascinating, especially when it, since the pandemic, you, um, is like OnlyFans and kind of creating this, I guess, almost multimedia kind of company brand of of yourselves, right? Like people are posting mm-hmm. on Twitter with promotions and and you know pictures and videos and clips and teasers, and then you know you have your your OnlyFans with your subscribers and then Instagram and you know <laughs> it, it, it's almost like you're like the women especially who do it. I know men do it too, but become sex worker entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. is 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 that like kind of what you go for now especially now with the time with all the clubs being closed um i personally haven't got uh only fans just because um it is a lot of work like people have this preconceived notion that you'll just upload a few nudes and you're going to make thousands of pounds Mm. or bucks like that's not going to happen like you need a big social media following you need like you need to put a lot of time and effort into like the, the content you're posting. It's constant. Like you have to message these people back. Like if they're going to pay a subscription for you, it does take a lot of effort. Um, but there are avenues like cam, for instance, that are booming. Cause obviously everyone's at home in between like work meetings. They can just, you know, from zoom call to cam, have mm. a quick wank back to zoom call. Like it's very, very convenient. So that for me is great because right. I can dip in and out of it and it's totally fine. Um, OnlyFans, however, yeah, it, it's, I mean, I've got a lot of friends who, who are on it and who, who make really good money from it. Um, there's so much going on in the world of, of sex work right now. You know, it's so, 
it's kind of gentrified a little bit, you know, through the media, through like, you know, films like the Hustlers movie and things like that, you know, uh, coming out. People are like, oh, you know, strippers are real people. Look, JLo's playing one. It must be, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, so, so yeah. And especially like, you know, Bella Thorne, we talked about this and like all these other celebrities getting OnlyFans accounts like Cardi B and things like that. So they are making sex work more publicized, um, which is great. I mean, in a positive light, absolutely great. You know, for a struggling economy of any kind, you're just like, great, throw some throw some, you know, media behind it. I'm sure it'll work itself out. Um, but yeah, everything is online now. There's so much going on online, like sharing, you know, sending knickers, like posting people's panties, like over the, you know, or like sending foot pictures or old shoes or like sending all this weird fetish stuff, not weird fetish stuff, fetish stuff, you know, doing um, financial domination, which is like taking control of people's finances. And oh, there's just so much stuff going on via the online media that you know sex work is surviving mm. barely but we are <laughs> just a little bit I, I am glad you brought up the bella thorne thing because that was uh i mean it was a big story and i don't really think everyone totally understood why that was such a, a big thing can mm-hmm. you like shed a little bit of light on on why that really mattered well um like i said only fans is like a, a massive forum for women who've got like, it's like a side job. A lot of people do it full time. They, they can make a lot of money from it. It's quite a free medium where you can, as a content creator, post, you know, not fit for work content like Instagram. So like lots of influencers do it, but they ha- have like closed folders. I'm sure a lot of people out there know what it is already. But anyway, you pay a subscription fee and you get nudes or you get, you get something that you're, you know, um, you're correctly branding or like correctly selling. So you, you shouldn't, you know, overpromise and underdeliver. This is exactly what uh, Bella Thorne kind of did. She, you know, as a feminist was very much like tits are tits and, you know, let's, let's get our bodies out. You know, I'm an ex Disney star. It's totally cool. I can't post any of this on Instagram, but I'm going to post all of my filthy shit on OnlyFans. Um, and everyone was like, wow, well, oh my God, we finally get to see Bella's tits. Then they, they all subscribe to OnlyFans, all of her fans from Instagram, where she can only show a side boob, go onto this forum and they pay money. She made a million pounds in a day. Then she made two million in a week. And everyone was like, oh my God, it's, it's the best thing ever for the forum. Then the chargeback started happening because people weren't getting what they were promised. There was no, there was no nudes. There was no porn. There was no anything different from Instagram at all. She completely oversold it. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't a problem with any celebrity having an OnlyFans. Cardi B's got one, but she's like, guys, there's no WAP. There's no WAP on my OnlyFans. Don't expect it. If you're going to subscribe subscribe you're gonna get like backstage pass to my video or something you're like okay great bellathorn didn't do that so Mm. now the forum has changed all of their rules whereas like you you can only get paid every 30 days instead of weekly which is ridiculous so all the women who are getting you know have bills and stuff to pay they have to wait for 30 days just in case of chargebacks they can only charge up to like 200 pounds per content and I think it's like a hundred pounds for tips or something like that. So like they've basically been capped completely. Uh, Whereas before you could just spend whatever. Um, So now they've basically tarnished everyone with the same brush as Bella Thorne. She's completely fucked with the system and everyone's losing their minds. All my friends are on like the 
the WhatsApp group, like, oh my God, like my, my, my money's been half this month because of Bella Thorne. She doesn't need the money. What's she going to do? You know, um, hopefully she said that she's going to send a lot of this money to like, you know, help the sex industry mm. of some kind, send it to like a strippers collective or whatever, but yet to see that. So mm. yeah, I think it's very important to like, you know, not overpromise and under deliver. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's funny, just like we, we have that saying in, in, you know, it's just like any other business. And I think people mm. need to realize that how much work and how much customer service and all the, these different things happen um, when it goes into it. And it, yeah. it's funny, as we're both podcasters, um, it, it's funny, I, I saw a tweet a, a while ago, but it was just basically like, how many times do you see like a, a service or a platform where people, like, you know, the users build it, make it super popular, start monetizing it. And then you have the celebrities coming in being like, okay, we're going to go take all the fucking money now. Like with, yeah. on Instagram, YouTube, with podcasts now. And then we're all like, well, fuck. And then we got we to gotta go start another thing. It's just the cycle. And it, it's yeah. what happened with OnlyFans. Yeah, you're exactly right. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's brutal. I know. Um, I'm curious. One of the questions, so I did put out some questions. Um, to, to people because again especially in Canada like I don't think we ever no one ever says like we know a sex worker or, or someone in this industry whether it's stripping or anything but someone a woman asked me that do you have a response to someone who would say that sex work is anti-feminist because I know that's a, a common kind of thought not necessarily in the new age feminism um, with the younger people but especially with older women I think um, and more conservatives, boomers. Yeah. Do, you, do you have, you know, I know, a response to that or have you ever thought about it? I mean, no, I mean, I, I, obviously I've thought about it and like, I think everybody's vision of feminism is different depending on how old you are, where you come from, what background you are, you know, like it, it really does depend you know, that word is just such an umbrella over so many different things. And so it's like, it's like putting something just like the sex industry. There's so many different types of jobs in the sex industry. It can, you know, it's the oldest profession in the world where people have been selling sex since the dawn of time. Right. So to be able to put it into a category where it's correct or not correct, or it's, you know, like slandering this type of woman, or is it really, you know, um, disgracing the, you know, the vagina across the world. Like it's, I don't think that you can really judge it based on the word feminism and it, and it affecting, you know, just a small portion of someone's mind process. Right. I, I think, I think when it comes to sex work, if it's making someone happy, they're in control of what they're doing, they're, they're promoting it positively and they're not hurting anyone else, then just let them live, you know, as a woman, it's your body. You should be able to do with it, whatever you like. Men do, men take their shirts off when it's hot. Women should be able to, if they feel comfortable, just free the nipple, get your hairy armpits out. No one cares. Like, I think we should get past the point of judging others now and just, you know, think about ourselves. You know, it's just like the same as, as Instagram and things like that out there. Like, oh my God, how could she, how could she post, you know, her ass online or just let her live like she's it's not you know it's not affecting my life you know as long as it's not hurting others i think i think there's a lesson to just stop judging i think there's there's a way of of um 
putting your feelings onto something if it is a woman doing something negatively and um like Bella Thorne for instance tarnishing everybody with the same brush and doing something and not really you know promoting it in the correct way um but with feminism I really I don't even like that word because mm. what does it even mean you know it's just so many ha- so many people have so many thoughts on what it is and rules that I just I just don't like it you know personally mm. for me um yeah interesting um you mentioned being in control and mm-hmm. I'm wondering how is it is that a hard thing especially with stripping and when you're you know around men who rambunctious and and maybe you know the testosterone's flowing and they're they're a little aggressive and getting a little handsy Mm. how hard is it to to be in control of those situations um i think well in london i can't talk for america but in canada because i've never worked there i don't Mm. know what the system is like but in london Mm and we've got so many um bouncers and so many mm. cameras, it's so safe. Like it genuinely is safer than going on a Tinder date. You're probably gonna have more fingers in holes you don't want them in on a Tinder date than you would in a strip club in London. Trust me, like I swear, like it's, it is so, so safe. I've never had a, you know, an issue when it comes to that. You know, any sniff of anything wrong, the man is dragged or the woman is dragged out, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think as well, it, like it's like we said earlier about, you know, drugs, drink and that kind of lifestyle. It, you know, I mean, in London, I know all the bankers go out on a weekend and they get absolutely smashed working for like all the biggest banks ever. So it's, it's not just, you know, uh, the sex industry that is, you know, in that world. However, we forget because it is a party, party environment, you know, your body is your job and you have to look at it like that. So the one thing I learned very early on is if you're going to see it as a party and go into the strip club drinking and doing drugs every night, you're never going to last, you know, you'll make your big money, but you'll blow, you know, you'll burn out very quickly. So for me being in control of like, if it's going to be a job that is a job for you and you actually want to make something of yourself, like in any job, you have to take it seriously. Um, you can't let the party just overrun you because, because it will, you know, it's just like anything really. Um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, totally. Like, I've, I've seen girls who haven't been in control or there's been another reason why they're dancing and it's not for themselves. Unfortunately, you know, when it comes to like sexual abuse, sexual ha- harassment, sexual health, there's so many other things behind why people do things, not just in the sex industry. So for me, it's, it's all about level-headedness and, and also supporting your other, you know, sex worker, being kind to others and, and not, you know, slating them for their jobs or what they're doing you know being right. supportive is, is there a lot of pressure on you to you know have a certain body type um to you know be in shape uh like is there a lot of pressure with that or is it becoming more i guess quote unquote accepting that like you can have a lot of different types of bodies when it comes to stripping specifically um, yeah, with stripping, I mean, I think it's it's come a long way. Um, it also depends in London, especially what strip club you work for. So there's there's something like String Fellows where everyone knows you have to be very tall and very skinny because that's a, kind of the guys go in there for that type of woman. Then there'll be, you know, Spearmint Rhino, which you have in the States, which is all very curvy women with big tits, big assholes. And then, then you'll go like different, different, you know, strip clubs have different things. It's like a conveyor belt of women depending on what you want and I think us as sex workers we are so 
you know, not bothered. Like if a guy wants a specific thing, just say it and stop wasting my time. Like no one is precious about what we actually look like. It's just, it's about the guys wasting the time, I think. Um, so for me in London now, I, I mean, I do say this to everyone, like if you want to dance, dance. It's not about the size that you are. It's not about, you know, just find the right club for you, the right environment and, and go for it. Cause it's really just about confidence really. And, and like I said, just having a level head. Um, you know, sex is so subjective, right? Every man, every woman likes something different. There's no carbon copy, carbon cutout of what sex should be or what sex, like sexual, sexuality is, you know? Like it, it bothers me that people have this idea of it. Like same with porn, you know, that's changed so much too. Um, so yeah, I think back in the day though, about maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was a little bit more you have to look like this. And now it's changing, which I love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to get to the podcast now. Um, And like I said, I I was listening to it. It was just hilarious, the stories that were coming out. Um, (laughs) Do you have any like particular things you've learned from it that maybe you didn't know before? um, Or like a story that someone told on it that really like stood out to you? In terms of like, it stood out to me in a in a funny way or like a negative way or what or anyway anyway let's we'll go anyway. anyway um you know what i like is the fact that it didn't happen in the beginning i was telling all of my stories in the beginning like full on word vomiting all my stories and then like, i dried up a little bit i was like come on now no one wants to listen to my voice anymore and people actually started sending in their their stripper stories um so which i find fascinating you know uh last couple of weeks ago a girl who i don't know just sent me a dm on instagram was like i want to i want to share a strip of stories this is what i always say at the end of the podcast send your stories in i'd love to air them anonymously of course um her first experience with a sugar daddy and she's never done it before and she's you Mm. know went out and met a sugar daddy and she's like you know, I went out and I met him in a church and I couldn't believe it because I realized that's where I go every Sunday, you know? And, and I thought I'll go somewhere where I feel safe. I'm like, great. You know, that, that's funny. Like meeting your first term of sugar daddy in a church when you come from a very Catholic and very strict background. Like it's, it's that kind of anomaly there. It just fascinates me. So me hearing all these different experiences from others, especially, um, is is the best part of the podcast for me less about my stripping stories because they're all just irrelevant it's more about you know new people telling their stories and finding a way to air it and not have a face to it i think that's quite therapeutic for a lot of people um so yeah i think it's talking about you know loads of things like some girl last week was like oh I, i you know i find that when i fuck my new partner whoever it is i get this sixth sense about them and i can feel like all of their like negative or positive things. So it's like almost like she's got this like empathy. She's never had it before, but she's like, I get this Hmm. really strong feeling in my lady gut. Is that normal? I'm like, sounds freaking weird to me, but I mean, I've never felt like, I mean, obviously everyone's got like a lady gut. You feel like you feel things when you're in a relationship with someone, right? You know, Hmm. when things are right or wrong or whatever. So I asked my doctor, Dr. Kink about it, who's on, on the podcast. And he's like, yes, this is a real thing. And he talks about the science of it. I'm like, okay, I'm learning a lot. So yeah, I think it's mostly that, the, the other people's stories. So if you've got a story, please send it in. I'd love to air it. Like, honestly, that's, my best, that's the best thing for me. Is there, because uh, that 
kind of, again, sexual liberation podcasts, like those are super popular right now. And, and I, there's, um, I think it's called call me daddy. I think Barstool does it. Remember you don't like that one. Right. I do like it. I actually do like it. I I listened to maybe like the first couple of episodes and I I was into it and I dipped my toe back in like a bit. It's just, it sounds the same every week though. Mm. I'm just like, how much, how much like fucking a new guy in New York city can we talk about? You almost want it to just be like, I love all that gossip. I love hearing about women's first, this story and that story, like I just said, but it has to be a bit of substantial something underneath it to keep me interested. I feel. Right. Um, you know, like it's like gossip magazines. You don't want to be reading them all the time. You need to read like the independent every now and again, just to feel like grounded and not feel like a complete arsehole. Right. <laughs> so I, I think I do love call her daddy. I'm actually, mm. I think that, I mean, Barstool picked it up like four episodes in. Right. And just, it went before everything ever, mm-hmm. you know, the, the podcast situation now is very different. Right. Mm-hmm. We both know this. Um, so yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's very popular. I mean, women want to, want other women to talk about this shit with where's the man's version of this though i want to know like is there a man's version of call her daddy it's i don't if there is i haven't heard of it and what i find interesting about it is guys talk about sex all the time but we only talk about the you know chest beating macho moments like oh yeah like we were doing this girl it was good but i love it coming from a girl's point of view because that's where you get the real dirt like a guy coming like straight on the wall and he's like, that's just what I do. I just like right on the wall everywhere. I'm like, whoa, 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 what? So what? You, you hear what guys actually do in the bedroom that they, we don't talk about. We don't usually talk about the, the weird shit or the embarrassing shit. Like me, people laugh. Like I don't like getting semen on me. So like- You don't? I don't, no. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's just- It's yours. It's from I, your it's body. Weird. So when I really? found out that like guys like come on their chest, I was like, I was horrified. I was like, what? Wait a minute. How do you, where do you, where does it go? Do you put a towel down or something? Uh, Kleenex. I'm sorry, mom and dad who are listening to this. <laughs> well, you're, so you come in a Kleenex? Yeah. That's so clean of yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, it's just me. Like I don't like it on my hands and every girl I've ever been with, like they, they, they think it's so funny. But we, we as guys don't talk about that part. We just talk about the, oh, yeah, like, hooked up with this chicken. Like, she has done her face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Like, even for me, like, I feel bad about that. Even if they ask for it, I'm like, are you sure? Like, no. <laughs> She's like, give it to me. Be like, do you really want it? Uh, yeah, you have to beg. And I remember <laughs> the biggest thing now that I'm finding is like a, a lot of women like um like pain or some sort of you know like hard spanking or choking or like a hit in the in the face and i'm like but i don't want to hurt you so you do it and they're like don't be a bitch harder and i'm just like i don't want to hurt you (laughs) yeah exactly oh my god that's such a tough one isn't it because you you don't really know like what to do there you have to be more of like you need to know the person well you know You can't just be slapping here, right? There, you know what I mean? Like giving black eyes. Like it's not normal. But to be fair, I I do love a spank. You know, and it's, it, it's it a regular be, thing. It's yeah. more normal than it is abnormal. But then it's yeah, because mm. I remember 
a first hookup, a girl started choking me and I'm like, this isn't okay, but I don't, I don't want to say stop. Like, I don't know. Don't use me like that. <laughs> I'm not like, just, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's just funny. Cause yeah, guys will never talk about the weird shit that we do, but the girl, women will, and they'll tell each other. So now that oh we have God. these podcasts. Well, why do you tell it, me now? What's the weirdest things that have happened to you? You don't have to give any names, obviously. Oh my God. Um, oh, you're like, wh- which one? Someone <laughs> wanted so to, many. someone wanted and we did have sex in an abandoned gas station it was probably like the weirdest Ooh, yeah. like walking dead that's yeah, mental almost, yeah <laughs> oh my gosh that's kind of hot though it, i mean it worked uh it was after the bar like it, it was a it's a fun story it was probably the weirdest though They're like let's just do it right here i'm just like what oh, okay. okay let me clean the surface down quickly <laughs> like, <laughs> really yeah like get the voice all <laughs> literally where's the blue roll oh uh, amazing uh, yeah so anyway uh, i'll come on and tell my my favorite stories please <laughs> please i need to have you back on my podcast like seriously you're such like it seems like you're a very you're a masculine man who doesn't really talk about it that much and for me that's just fascinating yeah it's, I, i'm i'm awkward i'm not sexually very liberated or confident but like i don't mind sharing the funny stories because people can yeah. talk about it but absolutely because i am really awkward about it I'm like, um, no, there's but- literally so much i'm awkward about like the weird <laughs> like weirdest shit like talking about animals like people want to talk about oh, like anim- like mm, oh, get a lot yeah. of that on cam like bestiality kind Ooh. of vibes and i'm like no i can't yeah. do it no, no. Um, but I, I know you got to go. Um, this has been a yes. real treat. Thank you so much. Oh my but, God. Thank you so much for having me. Where can people uh, check out your podcast? Anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So we have an Instagram stripper stories podcast. So check us out on there. Um, and a little website as well. Stripperstories.com. Yeah. Check us out. It's amazing. It's hilarious guys. I can vouch for it. So, so go check it out. Chloe, <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much. much. This has been amazing. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Bye. Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole.